you're literally leaving money on the table, but you have to have that much conviction that saying no to that, which is what you used to have, will lead to a yes to the thing that you actually want. And it creates a ton of pressure. It creates Mm. a ton of stress. It creates a ton of financial kind of impact. And again, it's not to say that either business model is better or worse or whatever else, but if you so choose that you want that flexibility and everything, then you have to like say no to what used to be. And I tell you, like there's a lot of like, there's a lot of funny noises that people make when I'm on calls with them. When I'm like, I'm like, okay, so you've got that opportunity. Like, how do you feel about saying no to it? And they'll be like, oh, oh, you know, like, ugh. Welcome to episode 12, the final episode in season six of Live in the Feast. I'm Jason, aka Rez, helping you grow your business by having a conversation with someone who's been there, had success, and built a business designed around the life they want to live. That's Live in the Feast. If this is your first time listening, hit that subscribe button so that you get notified every time a new episode drops. Live in the Feast is in your podcast app of choice. If it's not, tell me and I'll yell at them. If you've heard the show before, why not leave us a rating and review on iTunes or drop us a comment in Breaker or CastBox. Today's co-host is Alex McClafferty. Alex is the co-founder of WP Curve and since... Having that business be acquired, he's gone on to surf and travel and spend more time with friends and family. But like most entrepreneurs, he can't sit still for too long. Alex and I have chatted on and off through Twitter over the years. And knowing how operation-minded he is and his ability to ask amazing and great questions, I wanted to bring him on to the show and ask him some questions on your behalf. I'm excited to share in this conversation with you because Alex is one of the most grounded and genuine guys I know. If you've ever talked with anyone who's known him or worked with him, you'll hear how highly people think of him. In this episode, we dive into the three forks in the road that most service-based businesses face when it comes to pricing, asking yourself questions about your business and your target market to see what your business may look like with a different perspective and the growth mindset. And for someone who has founded a company that was acquired by GoDaddy, you might be a bit surprised to hear what he has to say. I'm really super excited for you to dive in and hear this conversation. So without further ado, here's Alex and myself. Feasters, welcome to another episode of Live in the Feast. And I am really super excited here to have Alex with us. Welcome, Alex. What's up, Jason? Nice to be here, man. Thanks for accommodating my crazy travel schedule. Yeah, no worries. And uh, as we were talking a little bit, I, you know, I get jet lag, so it's a real thing. So it's like you got to either like stay awake or sleep extra, and it just it is what it is, right? Yeah, travel travel is glamorous until you get the catch up of being four weeks in a different time zone and then having to get back onto office hours. So, yeah, deeply appreciate it. Thank you, man. Yeah, anytime, anytime, of course. And that's why, you know, I want you at 110%, right, <laughs> rather than 50%. So, uh, because this this topic, I mean, obviously we're talking about pricing um, and, and a lot of the season, we talked about different levels of pricing. 
you know, hourly rate and weekly rates and productized services and all these other sorts of strategies that you could do. But I wanted to really bring you on to talk a little bit about maybe that next level that, hey, okay, now we've got our pricing locked in. How do we then look at pricing if we want to start to hire and become a CEO rather than just the person doing the work or a consultant or something of that nature? So I'm really super excited for this. Um, so before we start, right, you were the founder of WP Curve, right? And I remember us talking a while back and, and you were saying, you know, like you had some bumps in the road initially, right? And you wanted to scale it. And I thought that was super fascinating. Could you just share a little bit about what that was like? Yeah. So yeah, I was the co-founder of WP Curve. Uh, we started in 2013 and then we were acquired by GoDaddy in 2016. Um, so the business was like three and a half years old. And when we sold it, I think we had a team of about 30 something people. And these are folks in the Philippines, South America, Africa, uh, Eastern Europe, all over the place. And so a big remote team doing WordPress support on a, on a monthly retainer basis. And the bumps in the road, um, like any business, you know, there's ups and downs for us. It was a matter of, I think at some level, like figuring out like what we wanted to be when we grew up and we were fortunate enough to have GoDaddy come and knock on our door when we were trying to answer that question. And so as far as the business scaling and the challenges that we had went, if you look at the early version of what WP Curve was, I think we started at a price point of like 49 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like it was this pricing that was almost too good to be true. So people almost didn't believe that they could get like unlimited WordPress support for that price point. Like that was an objection that we commonly got. And by the time we finished or by the time we were acquired, um, we had a a plan that was like 200 bucks a month, which was still like dirt cheap compared Mm -hmm. to what was available out in the market. But because of the model and because of how we delivered the service, we were actually able to make that profitable. We made all of those plans profitable. So um, as we talk today, I think the things that we can dig into a little bit in and around like how do you structure your service So you can get some lift through the margin that you make on your operation because the business that we ran, we had a people heavy business um, with like a kind of like a high volume, low touch kind of offering. And I also was living in San Francisco at the time. Mm. So I needed to make, you know, 120 grand a year just to kind of keep the lights on and pay rent. And that forced um, some different decisions around pricing and also, you know, simple things like, charging quarterly and six monthly and annual plans up front just to boost cash flow to keep the marketing wheel spinning. But yeah, lots of lessons learned and also lots of lessons learned from the people that um, I've since helped, you know, grow their own productized services way faster and way better than I ever did for my own. Right. Yeah. So it's funny. There was, there was a time at which when I was building out my productized service and it was everything inside was bespoke, but it was basically how I delivered and how I onboarded people and and what I was giving them as far as the solution goes was all productized. People were saying, how are you charging 2000 a month when there's WP Curve out there charging sub $100 pricing? And because I was in the WordPress market and I was getting yeah. that over and over <laughs> and over again. I was just like, my well, bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what was funny was I was just like, well, I'm not WP Curve and I'm not giving that. That's a different product. Right? And mm-hmm. so it was a way in which I could, well, for one, it was 
how you guys were positioned in the market as this is what this is, right? And so uh, for me, it was able to say, okay, well, that's them and this is what I do. And I, did, you know, I was more on the business strategy side of things and rather than a lot of the implementation stuff too. But as you transitioned out of that and now what you're doing now with your own company, you mentioned a little bit about how to, one, you mentioned that you're basically scaling much better you're helping other people scale much better. Can you dive a little into that maybe? Because my my curiosity goes is, well, obviously there was lessons learned, right? And now yeah. you just say, hey, this is what you need to avoid. And this is the path that you need to go down. What's one of those paths that you find most happening, right? Those forks in the road that you find most people are encountering. I've got so many of those forks in the road um, and I'll like, I'll hit you with a few. So the first one is that entrepreneurs typically in my experience undercharge. And I don't know whether this is a psychological thing or a worth thing or whatever else, but I've never really spoken to someone who's put an offer out into market where I've gone, Oh, that's expensive. Like I've just never seen it. So that's a pattern that I see a lot. The secondary pattern is that we tend to sell people like a level down from where we could be selling. So for example, we're offering a level of service, but we're actually positioning it down market from the buyer. And that might mean that, you know, you're selling to someone that you're more comfortable selling into, but may not have the purchasing power to do, uh, to be able to buy what you're offering. So you've got a level of quality, you're delivering something amazing, but then you're pointing it down one level. Um, another thing that I see is people like completely miss kind of miss their market. So there's the pointing down one level thing, but then there's also like, I have this service or I have this solution. I am offering this level of value. I'm in this market, which might be, you know, SMB or mid market, and they can take the exact same service and go enterprise and make, you know, add a zero or add a couple of zeros to their price point. And I've actually seen this, like I've seen this in some of the coaching that I've been doing, which is people have got this like really great um, delivery mechanism or whatever it is like they're adding a ton of value and they just point the service at the wrong customer. Mm. And it's a pretty funny conversation to have because I'll be like, okay, let's look at this or let's talk about it. And you're doing this, the outcome is this, it generates this much you know, benefit to the business or revenue or sales or whatever else it is. What if you went and spoke to this type of customer and they could afford to you know, pay you this much? Because again, like as an entrepreneur, you like look at what's in front of you and you're like, oh, here's the opportunity and I'm going to get really good at this opportunity. I'd be like, that's great, but let's tilt it a little bit and go like an example of this is, um, I'll give you a case study. So there's a guy, uh, John Tucker, and he runs a productized service for live chat. Okay. And I worked with John in 2015 and he was like my first coaching client, but I never actually charged him. So he got a really good deal and I wasn't really good at pricing myself back then. <laughs> right. You were, you were that first fork in the road, the undercharge. Yeah, that was my first fork <laughs> in the road. Now, now I charge a thousand bucks an hour for one-on-one. -on -one, so like my pricing strategy has changed significantly, but he came to me and he was like, oh, I want to do live chat and I want to do kind of like a WP curve model, but for live chat, um, I want to charge, I think it was a couple hundred bucks a month. I was like, that's interesting and that's a cool idea and I could see how that'll scale, but let's like play with this pricing a little bit. And so what he actually got into was instead of going, okay, we're a monthly retainer for 200 or 500 bucks a month, I'm going to look at your Google analytics for e-commerce. I'm going to have a particular market, like a particular uh, customer in mind. I'm going to look at it before and after of like before you use our service and after. 
And then I'm going to anchor my pricing into the revenue increase that you get from using our service. Hmm. And so that's the difference. And there's a, an article that I'll share with you um, that you can link to in the show notes on this, but I wrote a comment in it and Jason Cohen talks about it, which is, you know, people will much more gladly pay for a revenue increase than they will to save money. There's like a psychological barrier that, you know, as a decision maker, you jump through. And so he landed on this price, like this pricing and he effectively like, I'm pretty sure either five or 10 X is pricing with the same underlying service and mm. customers were still ecstatic and has continued to push that up over time. And, um, he runs a really nice business, spends off a lot of cash. He's very happy with it. Um, and that was a function of just getting the pricing right out of the door. And so again, like with my experience and the, you know, uh, missteps that I've made along the way, I see these things a mile off and I'll be like, Hmm, yep, I can see, I can see how that would be good, but like, let's figure out how we can make it excellent. Let's figure out how we can make it super profitable. So that's what it looks like at, you know, half a million bucks a year. What does it look at five, look like at five million bucks a year? Like mm. those types of questions, which when you're doing it yourself, it's kind of hard to have that. Right. Um, yeah, I yeah. think that perspective. Yeah, absolutely. This season ends with Alex stating something that we've heard before in pretty much every single episode, and that is that you are most likely undercharging. If you're like me and most developers and designers I talk with, we are introverted. And Alex alluded to it here, but I will emphatically say that it is in our nature to undercharge because of imposter syndrome. Insider Feast, you'll have access to everything you need to be able to get through that imposter syndrome and be confident in your prices so that you get paid what you're worth. You'll get videos, worksheets, exercises, and the community to support you and overcome that limiting belief so that you could be the go-to resource and build a business that is sustainable for you to reach your goals. Head over to feastacademy.com today. As a member, you'll get the processes and templates to not only figure out who your ideal client is and the services that you can provide for them, but you'll learn how to figure out the price to put on those services that makes it a complete no-brainer for the client. That's why I want to invite you to check out Feast. By using the code SURFING, you can get your first month for only $20. Feast is the community and resource hub for developers and designers ready to get off that project searching hamster wheel and actually run the business they set out to build. Feast helps position you in the market with what you do, who you help, and helps you build the processes and systems for client management, sales, marketing, delivery, and of course, pricing. Your business isn't the same as everyone else's. When you are a member of Feast, you get personalized guidance from myself. It is essential for me to meet you where you are and make sure that you are getting the exact tools so that you don't get lost in that shuffle. The moment you sign up, we're going to have a chat so that I can create a custom syllabus of resources within Feast to meet you where you are. If you want to stop chasing down that next project all the time so that you could start living your life, go to feastacademy.com today and use the code SURFING at checkout for your first month for only $20. Okay, so I have a whole bunch of questions in mind there um, to dive into. But before we do that, I I always like to ask uh, the guests is, is what is 
your defining moment in life so far? Yeah, and um, we we went back and forth on this, I think, before the call. So mm-hmm. um, one thing that I'm like, I, I'm candid and I share and I'm comfortable sharing with people these days, but during the period I was going through, it was really hard. Um, I was suicidal for a, a good period of time. So probably like nine or 10 months. Mm-hmm. And that period of darkness was heavy and it was something that I had to deal with and face and kind of overcome. Um, and that was, you know, a lot of things going on in my personal life that I had to kind of move through and business was a great distraction from all of those things. So I was great at like, you know, driving really hard and getting like creating great business outcomes for myself and family and everything else. But, um, did that in spite of looking at the deeper work that I needed to do. And that kind of all caught up with me. And so the defining moment for me was actually like sitting on a cliff and doing as a, like, as a, you know, 30 something year old man would do a pros and cons list of like, you know, should I stay or should I go? So at that point in time, I had to be like, well, you know, um, if I leave right now, I'm not going to, I'm going to leave a massive mess behind me. I'm going to leave a lot of emotional impact for family and friends and everyone that loves me, or I can turn around and try and work through all of this stuff that I need to work through. And to anyone that's been in that position, or if you're feeling that way, like, I don't understand where you are, but I have, I guess, compassion for you. And this is real. Like if you're in that headspace um, and I can't like, I can't direct you as to what to do apart from just be compassionate towards yourself. Cause it's, it's hard shit. Like people, right. people that get to that space, it's just, it's just heavy. It's really, mm-hmm. really heavy stuff. And I'm glad that I made it on the other side. I'm glad to be sitting here talking to you about pricing. Um, right. Yeah. Cause I was, you know, 10 months ago, 11 months ago, or maybe even less, I was sitting on the edge of a cliff going, Oh yeah. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here right now. So. Wow. Yeah. That's it. That is heavy. I mean, uh, yeah. in my early twenties, really late teens, early twenties, I was pretty close to that same spot. Mm-hmm. And it's something that, you know, when we were talking a little bit back and forth in email, you know, it's something that, that again, like you said, like, I can't know where you were at. I can't know where your head was at, but I can be empathetic to the scenario that you probably mm. put yourself into. Um, and so, you know, for me, it was like when I was reading this, I even told my wife and I said, you know, I said, I'm, I'm interviewing Alex on or I was supposed to be this afternoon, but we just moved it to Monday. And, and uh, you know, I, I shared your, a little bit of your story there and she was like, that's pretty heavy. And I said, yeah, it's kind of like where I was. And she, that's what she said. She goes, hundred percent. That's kind of what some of the things that you told me about. And so, you know, again, I thank you for sharing that because I don't think, and well, in the conversations that I have with a lot of folks, not just on the podcast, but just in, in general, um, a lot of people don't, they always talk about, Hey, I'm traveling this and doing this and getting six, seven, eight, nine figures and whatever, but they don't talk about the burnout, the depression and all those other things. And so, um, it's always for me, I, I like to share it at least the opportunity to share these things when I can. And so, because there could just be that one person that's out there listening in that similar space and say, Hey, these two are talking about scenario that I'm going through or they're empathetic to it. So I I appreciate you sharing that for sure. Yeah. And the thing about it is, and again, being a coach and having gone through this myself, I can immediately pick up when someone's like bullshitting me basically. And I'll be like, how are you? And they'll just deflect to something about the business or something that's not related because I used to do it. Right. So I can Mm -hmm. hear it. And it's not my job to be a therapist and I'm not, I don't have the, I guess the, um, the education or the training to be able to like help people work through that. But I do have the personal experience and I know what it feels like. And again, like 
it's, it's, it's hard. It's really, really hard. Mm. And I'm more than comfortable sharing it now because for me sharing that, it takes the pressure off other people and they're like, shit, I feel the same way. Like I've been that, I've been in that place. It's super hard. And when you, I was talking to some friends about this last night, like when you've been to, I guess maybe that's the equivalent of a rock bottom or a place that you kind of don't want to go back to. It kind of um, expands your spectrum of emotion. So maybe you used to play here between like, you know, happy and sad or whatever. And now there's like agony and just like not wanting to be somewhere. But it also on the other side of that expands further up, which is like when something is amazing or like when you have a really good experience, it's that much greater. And so I'm quite grateful for that, even though in that period of time, it was just brutal. Like it was, it was hard stuff. So yeah, if you are feeling like that, if you can talk to family and friends, just, just do what you can. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I echo that. Talk to somebody, Mm -hmm. anybody, right? Like I had a good friend who actually, my wallet fell off the desk and the note popped out of my wallet and my friend saw it on the floor. He picked it up and he just saw the first sentence. He goes, what's this about? You know, he's like, I thought there was something going on or whatever. He's like, I didn't know that it was here. So just having that someone there to be able to like talk to as just, Hey, listen, I need you to, I I just have something to say and I don't need you to say anything other than just hear me out kind of thing. That's how it was good for me. Um, so I appreciate you sharing that for sure. Um, and I know that you've done some fundraiser through Facebook. Um, so I'll definitely link that up in the show notes as well. Yeah. So from that, from what you said before about change. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, so here's the thing, right? So we talked about like those forks in the road and like you said, like as a coach, you could kind of sense when something's a little off because you have these conversations, you kind of know their demeanor. You have, you can tell when something is a little off center, if you will, when you find somebody doing that, how do you know what to say at that point in time? Like, do you have like this sort of icebreaker, if you will, like, Hey, I'm just going to put the business aside here for a minute. We're just going to talk personal stuff. Or is that how you do with that? It, it depends. It really depends on the person and the context. So depending, depending on the relationship I've got, like I'll work with some people and um, frankly, like it's not a, it's not a healthy relationship because some people will just ask for validation or they'll look for someone to kind of dump their stuff on. And I'm not that person. Like I, I'm a guy that can help you look forward. I'm the person that you come to, to kind of get like hyped up and energized and pumped up about your business. And if you have a lot of work to do, that's kind of, you know, backwards facing, then I'm not like, I'm frankly not the best person. There's a lot of people out there that can help and I'll have that conversation. And I've had that conversation with, more than a handful of people where I've said, look, like we've got you to this point and I, I feel like there's other things that you need to work on. And if you want to go and work on them, that's completely your choice, but I don't want to waste my time or your money on this. And so I can be really candid and really firm with it, but that would be after a, like a pretty long period of time where there's no progress and things are just kind of spiraling. But generally um, what I will do is I'll use stories in my experience to help people open up their experience. So I'll, I'll start and I'll say, look, you know, this is something that's happened to me. This is how I felt when this has happened before, whether it's like, you know, you've got to let go of a key team member or you're potentially selling your company or you're about to be acquired or there's some other big emotional thing that's happening. You've got issues in your relationship at home, family, like whatever that may be. 
like I'm an open book with this stuff and I do it in a space where I'm like, so this is my experience. I'm not telling you this is the right or the wrong thing to do, but this is what I saw and felt and this is what I learned. And when you do that in a coaching capacity, it just opens doors up because like I don't come in and say like I'm smarter than anyone or I'm better than anyone. I'm just very good at listening and asking questions and that's what a coach does. Um, I don't have any formal training or anything like that, but you know, as far as the results go, I've had a couple of my clients sell their companies. I've had a couple of clients that have, you know, scaled beyond their wildest dreams and will email me and be like, Oh my God, I'm so happy. And I've got all this money coming in and everything else. And I'm like, awesome. That's really cool. But after that, you actually get to spend time with yourself. So like, it's not a be all end all kind of thing. And I know, and again, I know this because I've kind of been through that process myself. So yeah, it depends on context, but it is definitely sharing experience. And if necessary saying, look, this may not be a good fit, but you know, I can make some recommendations on things that from my perspective, you might want to look at. Hmm. So with that context of you just ask a lot of good questions, right? And so you, you said earlier that you said, okay, if this is a half a million dollar scenario, situation, potential, what if it looked like $5 million? How do you help them see that? So I'll back into things like what's the market size to start with? You know, is uh, like, are you tapping out your market? Are you like scraping the bottom of the barrel for people or customers or leads? Or is there just this abundance and this huge amount of market that you can go and get, but you just don't have access to? So that's a simple one. Like what, what percentage of the market are you actually kind of penetrating right now? And most of the time, like you like scratching the surface. And mm-hmm. I only know this because, you know, working for a company like GoDaddy, who um, I think definitely the biggest domain registrar, biggest uh, WordPress host by volume of sites, like all of these different things. But the market was so fragmented that there was still so much opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so they, the questions they were asking there weren't like, oh, how do we eke out another like hundred or $500,000 a month or whatever else? It's like, how do we go from this to a billion or 2 billion or whatever that is? And so putting like putting that kind of line of questioning and saying, okay, this is where we're going to get to. Now, what needs to be true for us to get there, whether it is like building a team, going up market, having a different line of products, doing something very special with marketing or acquisition, um, partnering, like figuring out like what are the levers that you can pull and systematically like kind of going, like I kind of got a mental checklist of things that I would ask for. And then like backing into, okay, if you've got a half a million dollar a year business now and you want to get to 5 million, what would that actually look like? Would it be you as the CEO running a team of people? Would you potentially have like a completely different looking business altogether? Um, Is it even more profitable to get there? And this is another thing like growth for growth's sake where people will continue to grow, you know, top line revenue, but the underlying business is just a mess. That happens a lot, but people will go around and say, you know, I've got an eight figure business, this or whatever else. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. But you know, you're still making as much money as back when you were doing half of that. Right. Like it just, it it sounds cool, but it's not necessarily that attractive. Sure. And so, yeah, through all of that, it is just a, I guess a, a method of kind of like expanding into what that could look like and then backing off and going, okay, what are the things that we'd need to line up to be true to make that happen? And it's more of a thought exercise than whether you can or can't do it. And this is a, another thing that people can get caught up on, which is you know, maybe I'm not ready or maybe I don't have the experience or the team or whatever else. And it's like, let's assume you got all of it. Let's assume that you have the resources that you need. Then what needs to happen? And it's like, oh, okay. That's a different way to look at it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because I'm a solo business owner, right? I've 
thought of, and I have over the years, hired other developers to sort of offload the development or the implementation side of things. And for me, I've always kind of backed away from that because for one way or the other, it didn't work out. Uh, My fault, their fault, you know, different couple of scenarios. But for me, it's always been like, do I need, like you said, grow for the sake of growing? Like, do I need that other developer to get those six more clients in the door? Or am I okay with the eight that I have, right? And so, you know, what's my profitability at this point in time? So those questions for growth, for scale, for all of these other things, a lot of people, like, they're like, hey, I see this all the time. And they start comparing themselves to folks. When you're working with somebody and and they approach you and they're thinking this big thing, and then you start to back away a little bit, how do you handle maybe their balloon busting sort of thing, right? Like, because they're going to be like, Hey, I had this great idea and I was going to hire five more people. But now that the math doesn't work out now, what, now, what do I do? I start with what people want. That's what I always come back to, which is like, what do you actually want? And that's a very hard question to answer because you'll like, especially like, I think of like places like Twitter and Facebook and all that sort of stuff, Instagram, you get the best version of everyone's life. Everyone's killing it. Everyone's skiing in Colorado or at the beach or doing what, like they're all living their best life. And then you're like, oh, well, if, if I do that and then I can get to here, then I'll have that kind of lifestyle. But I'll give you an example. And this guy is like very candid about it. His name's Patrick Campbell. And I think I mm-hmm. introduced you guys on a, a Twitter thread. Patrick has grown uh, ProfitWell, which is a pricing company. And they create a bunch of great content on pricing, by the way. He's grown that to an eight figure software business in like five or six years. And this guy is an absolute beast as in he's probably put in like in the, in like five years, he's probably worked like 10 or 12 years of effort to get there. And he talks about it. He's like, I've put on a hundred pounds and I've like thrashed my body. And I just, you know, I think as far as energy goes, he just feels like pretty, pretty hammered most of the time because he's yeah. working so hard, but he knows what he wants. Like he wants to build something significant. He wants to like basically dominate that market and he's doing a really great job of it. He's one of the nicest guys I know, but he's very clear on what he wants. And so he's willing to make that sacrifice. The challenge that people run up against is they get into something and they don't actually know what they want. Right. Mm-hmm. Or they get to where they like, they get to where they think they want to be they realize that's not what they want. And then they're kind of left wondering like, what do I do now? Which I've been in the position of personally when, you know, sold, um, sold WP Cap to GoDaddy, made a bunch of money. And I was like, Oh, I thought I'd feel better about this. And I just didn't feel anything. I was like, Oh, okay. I thought like this might solve some problems, but mm. like it didn't and it doesn't. And so there's like, there's a couple of ways to like work through that, which is like, what do you want your day to day to be like? Like you can start very narrow. Um, and I do this myself, which is like, okay, I want to travel and I want to surf and I want to enjoy time with friends and family and I want to be really healthy. And if I can take care of those different factors, then generally I'll be, I'll be satisfied with life mm-hmm. versus, uh, you know, by X date, I want X amount of money in the bank. Like that's kind of defer. Like I get hit by a bus tomorrow. I don't know. Like right, right. you kind of defer, defer the point. Um, and so when I get in the conversations with people, who have like, you know, the highfalutin aspirations of getting to 83K a month with this or 5 million bucks a year with that or whatever else. I'm like, cool. Like, how does this line up with, you know, your day to day? What does that practically look like? And sometimes there's some pretty stark realizations, but it's better to do it early 
then after three or four years and you go, oh shit, like I got here, now what? Right. Yeah. I'm big on the why. Like that for me helps me make a lot of the decisions that I make. Right. And so for me and my lifestyle is that I want to be home with the family. I'm, I'm recording from my house now, you know, be home with my boys, see their first steps and hear their first words and things and be able to just go outside and play and do those sort of things during the everyday. Right. And so when I was hiring people or bringing people on, I was like, okay, does this align with that? Now I got to manage all these people during the day. They got to be on, you know, they're going to be working when I'm not or, you know, those sort of things. And so for me, I was like, let me stay solo for as long as I can. Right. And so now it's a matter of now when I think about bringing on a contractor or something of that nature, it's like, here, this is, this is the way that I run my business. And if you align with that as well, awesome. If it, if it doesn't jive with you and you need me on Slack to be there from nine to five every single day, um, it's just not going to work out from the get, right? And so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think the why is critical to get upfront because, and that's what, I, that's what I talk a lot about is like, why did you start your business in the first place? Like if you're five years into it and you're wondering what's next, like how did you end up here? Like, where did you make the left when you maybe should have made a right turn? And so a lot of people that I help as far as the coaching and feast goes, that's what they like. They're like, I have 12 bosses now. And I had one that was, that was kind of like insane in and of itself, but now I've got 12 and how do I get out from that? And so how do, how do you, how do you do that? Right. And so like people that are in the business, they have clients, they have customers, and then they want to take that step back and start to scale or work on the business and grow and maybe build the business that they envision, but they're so stuck in. How do you get them unstuck? It's really painful. It's a really painful process because there's so many habits and patterns built up around being the linchpin in a business, right? Like you make your business, you make your business successful and brittle by being that point person. Mm. So you, you get sick or something happens and you don't have a team to pick up the slack then very quickly, you know, your revenue is going to take a hit. And that's, that's the stark reality of some of these like kind of solo consulting practices. And if you uh, understand that risk and you're willing to bear it, that's fine. Like I'm not saying it's good or bad, but it's just one of those things that you have to be aware of. Um, so what I do with people, and I've done this, a good example of this is this lady Bridget, and she was in the last cohort of the program that I ran. Um, she has a background in PR. She's an excellent consultant. She's really, really good at what she does, but she also wants to have some freedom to be able to go out and travel. And she's not going to be able to get there doing what she used to do. So there's this kind of sticking point, which is like, this is where she is. This is where she wants to get to. What's the bridge between those two places? And ultimately it's building a productized service, having a team executed on her behalf and getting to a certain number of clients with her new service, which is doing podcast introductions for people. Um, hmm to get onto like bigger shows like Mixergy and things like that. And she like kind of mashes in her PR skills with um, doing outreach to get people placed on these podcasts. And the challenge for her, which she's starting to overcome is saying no to things that used to look like a good contract or a good opportunity. Cause she's still got people that will come to her for, you know, PR or different consulting things that she can help with. And she's got an eye on the prize, which is to build this productized service and to have something that can scale, that gives her some flexibility. And even though like, you, like you're literally leaving money on the table, so you can like refer it out to someone or something else, 
but you have to have that much conviction that saying no to that, which is what you used to have, will lead to a yes to the thing that you actually want. And it creates a ton of pressure. It creates mm. a ton of stress. It creates a ton of financial kind of impact um, depending on your personal situation. And I'm very, I don't know, I'm very compassionate towards that because it's like, it's kind of like this evolution. Like if you see, I don't know if you see my shirt, but there's like a bunch of these like little flowers down the bottom oh, right, right. and then the, there's one sprouting up and someone coming up through. And the concept there is that like you kind of evolve past this level of, um, you know, just being that, that linchpin. And again, it's not to say that either business model is better or worse or whatever else, but if you so choose that you want that flexibility and everything, um, then you have to like say no to what used to be. And I tell you, like, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of funny noises that people make when I'm on calls with them. <laughs> when I'm like, I'm like, okay, so you've got that opportunity. Like, how do you feel about saying no to it? And they'll be like, oh, oh, you know, like, uh. and I'm like, this is the, this is the necessary challenge. Like, I'll say no to like one on like one on one coaching clients right now, just because I feel like the group stuff is gonna like it's gonna scale. There's a bit of a network effect of the group of people helping each other out. You know, there's a little bit of a I don't know, a little ecosystem kind of forming. And I could keep doing the one-on-one stuff or I can point my attention on growing a really cool community, Mm. different level of focus and effort and saying no to like immediate cash, but then also making an investment for the future, which is like my time commitment to that is even smaller, but the results of the group or the folks that are in there will be even greater. Mm. And hopefully like revenue will catch up with that over time. So it's like, these are the, I don't know. I'm, I'm always on this like idea of like transforming or like moving forward, but it's never comfortable. Like it's never like, Oh cool. Like I went from consulting to running this team. That was such a, was such a, like a breeze. Oh, I should have done that five years ago. It's like, no, it's struggle street for a good six months. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got to do the work. <laughs> you yeah. got to put in the work. That's the shitty part about it, man. Like you have to do the work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, for those of you listening, uh, Alex has been gracious enough to, he has an application that you have to fill out even to be a part of this group that he's been talking about. And uh, during that application process, you could go to his website, fill out the application, uh, but he's offered you as the listener of this program, $500 off if you sign up for the program. So again, he's got that gate there. You got to pass the application first. So um it's out there, right? And so thank you very much, Alex, for that. Uh, I'll put the link in the show notes, obviously. Um, and hopefully we'll get some uh, feasters inside of your uh, CEO program. <laughs> yeah, I want to get you in there, man. I want to get you in there as, you know, not to pay, just to participate because I think you'd add a ton of value to the group. Because I'm looking, my thing is like, I don't care about volume. You'll never see me go out and say, Oh, I've like made six or seven figures from my coaching business, but you will see me come out and say, this person is making a hundred grand a month or this person has had this success or that success. Cause to me, like that's how I define success. Absolutely. The quality of the people in the group is so much more important than the quantity. Like you cannot actually like join what I'm doing without applying. And typically I'll get on a call with you just to kind of do a little chat and make sure that you you know, you represent yourself in the way that you've said in your application. Absolutely. Cause that's the kind of, like that's the kind of environment that I want to work in, which is not, again, it like kind of runs against a lot of the other sort of stuff that you see in coaching or programs or whatever else, but it's about the quality and the caliber of the people. Cause someone will ask a question in there about, you know, I'm having this or that problem and it'll be a thread of like 50 replies in Slack. And then I'll jump in after that and be like, Oh, 
here's my two cents guys. And it's like, where's he been? Like, what's <laughs> Which is cool. Like that's what right. I wanted to be because people are getting help. So it's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm all about the rising tide raises all boats, right? Again, we're, you know, at the, at the top, you were talking about like, it's great that you have these eight, nine figures and all that stuff, but what does it really mean? And so for me, same thing with like, my goal is to help a thousand feasters realize the goal that they had when they left their job. Yeah. Right. And so for me, I was able to do that when my first, my first son was born. I want to be able to help a thousand people do that. So I, I definitely appreciate that. And I love the invite and thank you very much. So before I let you go, what's up next for you? What's you surfing more? You, you have any <laughs> destinations out there that you you cross it off the bucket lips? What's up next? Yeah, I'm tra- I'm traveling a lot, um, and I'm getting back into the things that used to make me like before. I like put myself down into the kind of business, I don't know, like into the business tunnel and just being super focused on business. I'm getting back to my roots, which was spending a lot of time at the beach, like being really healthy. Um, I've got a couple, got a couple like ideas cooking up and there's nothing that I can announce yet. Cause I haven't like fully formalized things, but you know, I'm thinking about launching something in a completely different space and I'm literally like in the lab figuring stuff out on that right now, which is fun. Like yeah, it's cool. Yeah. It's a, you know, that, that early stage where you're just creating and goofing off and just messing around. So, and also like, I like to be an operator. So there's, you know, the coaching part, which is fun and rewarding and everything else, but I like to get my hands dirty too. So I need to have something tangible to work on and build because um, I am a builder at heart. So yeah, surfing, building, having fun, taking care of myself and um, yeah, just just trying to help out folks where I can. Awesome. Alex, thank you for your time and experience today. Uh, where could people reach out and say thanks? They can find me on Instagram. My handle is Alex McClafferty um, or Facebook. You can find me on there. And my site is productize.co. So any of those places. But yeah, if you are interested in the program that I've got, take a look. It's at ceo.productize.co. Put in an application. I'll have a look. Let me know that you came from the feast, the crew, the gang. Um, and you know, we can work it out from there, but yeah, hopefully we'll like, hopefully I'll convince Jason to get in the mix and join the community. Cause it's going to be fun. Awesome. Well, you convinced me. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Right on. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate it. And, uh, for everyone listening until next time, it's your time to live in the feast. If you enjoyed today's episode, I can speak for both Alex and myself by saying that we'd love to hear the one takeaway you got from this episode. It's super simple. In the podcast app of choice, presumably it's this one that you are listening to right now. Drop in a comment or a review or go ahead and share it in a tweet and tag me at res and i'll pass that along to alex as well don't forget to hit that subscribe button so that you'll be the first to listen in in a few weeks when season seven drops season seven we'll be talking about how to create your ideal client we are going to have really in-depth conversations with folks that struggled with the traditional way of creating that customer avatar Demographic data is great if you're selling a handbag or a car, but services doesn't always fit that. So you are going to hear specific exercises and outcomes, not to mention a few bumps in the road as well from those people 
who have built an ideal client and grown a thriving and profitable business from them. Until then, it's your time to live in the feast.